Daniel, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? Welcome to the Pine Tar Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely wanted to have you on here, man, because, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a podcast about all things baseball and like one of the things most near and dear to my heart, and I don't tweet about it a ton or enough, is fantasy baseball. And recently, I pretty much owe you the credit for getting me into the great fantasy baseball invitational, which ironically kicked off today. Um, I look up, I'm in round four, pick 59 here. Um, You know, kind of starting us off here, like you're a really good young mind in fantasy baseball. I've seen a lot of the stuff you've written. Um, You did pretty well, I understand, last year in the the invitation. Take us through, like, you know, your fantasy baseball, like, history or life. Like, how'd you get into it? And, like, talk about, like, last year's Invitational. Um, So, my dad has been playing fantasy baseball since, you know, the time where you mailed in your card. You mailed in your lineup. Wow. To set it. Um, So, by the time I was eight, my dad hooked me up on an ESPN free league, and I fell in love with fantasy baseball. And I will never forget that. Who was your um, Who was your first pick that year? Oh man, it could have been Albert Pujols. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it may have been Albert Pujols. And you know what's so funny is, um, I remember at eight years old, my second baseman was Justin Turner. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. You know, it was two thousand eight, two thousand ten, somewhere around there. And he was with the Orioles or the Mets or something. Um, but he wasn't great Mm-mm. and I had him, I had him rostered. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, since then I've written for fantasy front office, I'm going to begin writing for a place called six man rotation where it's uh, pretty statistical, but it's got a fantasy slant to it. Um, also writing for prospects 1500, which is, you know, prospects with a fantasy slant and, um, with the invitational last year, you know, and I did a lot better than I expected. There's a lot of really, really solid guys in the league. And last year, I think there were uh, somewhere around 360 people in it. Uh, I finished 59th. And yeah, I pretty much took the last two months off from the league and still ended at a pretty good overall for a while there. I was in the teens. Um, with some, you know, really top tier names like Todd Zola, you know, guys like that, that do it for a living Mm -hmm. are pretty much legends in, in the fantasy baseball community. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. You, you bring up two things there that, um, remind me of my own past. So like I started playing in 1999 and the first league I was in, like we filled our lineups out on paper and then we scored it after the end of each week, okay, there was guys on my baseball team at school, and and we would all score our teams up at the end of each week. And then my first draft, I remember in 99, I also that year I joined an ESPN, like you said, free league, took it ultra serious, my first two picks. And if people remember back to 99, uh, I went Pedro Martinez, and he had like one of the greatest pitching seasons of all time. Then I took Manny Ramirez, and I think he knocked in like 161 runs. I was hooked from that point on. So it's, uh, yeah, it sounds like you caught prime Pujols and, you know, kind of made you fall in love the same way. Um, yeah, definitely. So, uh, you started your draft today. Like, 
talk a little bit about in a draft like the like the invitational on the NSBC. Like, what kind of strategy, you know, are you are you gearing towards without giving away your main recipe? <laughs> um, you know what? Last year, <coughs> kind of put together a list of things that worked and a list of things that didn't. Um, last year, I knew that stolen bases were going to be extremely important as they are so scarce. Um, this year, I might, you know, I've kind of started. I I have Judge. Uh, Gallo, I just took a second ago at pick 53 and story. And there's not too many stolen bases there. Mm -hmm. And what I did last year was I felt like I took um, hitters that weren't good hitters, but they stole bases. And I don't want to, you know, chase stolen bases at the, you know, batting average or RBIs, runs, home Mm -hmm. runs, things Mm -hmm. like that, Um, which is hard to find in the later rounds. So that's why I'm not really trying to find. Uh, make it a priority as much. But uh, another thing last year that I had was finding closers. Uh, and I ended up blowing all my fab money on uh, speculative ads for saves and stuff like that throughout the year. Realized that that was kind of an issue. So, you know, that might be my strategy away. You know, okay. closers a couple of rounds here. Um, try to take some of those really, really top tier guys. Um, just kind of lock them into my team and really not have to worry about saves down the stretch. Yeah, it's interesting um, just watching the trends of my draft. The two guys that have slipped the furthest so far in one is Mike Clevenger. Obviously, he's out six to eight weeks. That that makes sense, right? The other guy mm-hmm. that slipped the most, um, you know, compared to his ADP was Alberto Mondesi. What what reasoning would you give for a guy like that slipping? Is it just because he's, he's a one-category guy with a, maybe an upside of some average? Uh, where did, where did you say he went? So his ADP was like 33 and I believe uh-huh. he went like in our draft. I think he went maybe pick 54. He slipped quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just talking to somebody else actually about the same thing that he was able to get Mondesi at pick 59. Wow. Um, I think something that kind of ties into that, that I alluded to a second ago was just, um, Mondesi isn't a good hitter. You look at his baseball right. savant page, it's like it's lit up entirely blue. Um, so I'm sure that scares a lot of people off. I don't think that he his batting average over the last couple of years has been as – or it's been too good for where mm-hmm. he is as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of the scare with him when he was coming up through the system, that he was going to be a 220-230 guy, but still bags. And – like everybody's kind of prioritizing the stolen bases as they should, but at the same time, you got to worry about that uh, batting average. You can't really find that just everywhere. Not everybody hits 300. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was kind of faced at a decision. I was actually looking at uh, Todd Zola. Hey, man. What's up? Hey. So, yeah. And one thing you were saying is you don't want to sacrifice. Um, you know, you don't want to sacrifice things like batting average for stolen bases. And, and what, like earlier I was faced at a decision. I'm sitting there. I know I need steals because I've went, um, I went Garrett Cole. I went Alonzo and then I went Snell and I, you know, I'm starting to panic because everybody's kind of got their one stolen base guy. And I'm sitting there looking at literally flipping a coin between Victor Robles, which I'd be kind of reaching for, but it just, it's where I fell. And, Charlie Blackman and I'm like wait a second 
you know, I see Zola took Blackman in four, and I'm, and I think about it logically, and I'm like, I would much rather like have Blackman, uh, you know, stabilize like the other categories, you know. But it is tough because I'm still I've got it in the back of my mind like there's only so many spots to you know find steals in a 15 team draft, and if you could get two or three difference makers there, I, I just can't catch that guy, you know. So it mm-hmm. is uh, constantly on my mind. Another thing I wanted to ask you is I know you talked about you talked about starting pitching um, in a league like this being uh, at a premium. Why do you think that is? I mean, beyond the obvious. Um, you know what? I've really noticed that things that they're flying off the board. I think, you know, I know you said besides the obvious, but the one thing that will ring true probably for the future of baseball is that guys are not throwing 200 innings anymore. There are only a few workhorses mm-hmm. left. Um and even those guys are getting older. Granky's getting old. Verlander, Scherzer, they're they're aging. Um, Cole and Degrom are the guys that I've seen, you know, consistently go one and two as the starting pitching goes. Um, and those guys, I mean, you're, you might get 300 strikeouts with Garrett Cole again, and you might get a two-two ERA with Degrom. Um, but there, I have noticed as far as the draft board goes, is that a lot of value. In the middle, there's not much. And in the beginning, if you don't get one of those top guys, just wait till the end. Right. And I assume, like, with a, a closer that emerges and looks like the real deal, you're, you know, in regards to spending your fab budget dollars, I assume that a hot young pitcher that puts a run together, he's going to command, command those top dollars too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's what I noticed, you know, last year participating in TGFBI is – will just they'll blow 20 percent of their fab money their fab budget just on one closer you know that they really think is going to be something big or starting pitcher that put two consecutive shutouts or whatever it is um which i don't know if that's the right way to approach it that's not the way i approach it um but i've noticed that a lot of other people do so you know that's something to build in with strategy um when all things considered so, uh, you know, without, again, giving too much of your strategy away, you know, what, what kind of guys do you like as, as sleepers, not just in this type of league, but, you know, overall, as you go through your drafts this year, like what, what sleepers are, are on your mind? Because I've done as little research as possible or as I have ever done. And mm-hmm. I, I, that's one area where I don't feel, you know, beyond watching some games last year and saying, okay, I think a Denelson Lamette can be a pretty good pitcher you know, who do you think, like, who are some guys that jump out at you, you know, regardless of position that you've got in the back of your mind? Actually just named one. Denelson Lamette is one of the guys that I'm really looking at. I think that he's going to really blossom into uh, potentially a Cy Young candidate one day. That is, I think, the upside with him. I'm also looking at Zach Gallen on the pitching mm-hmm. side with the Diamondbacks. He had a great mm-hmm. year last year with uh, in parts with the Diamondbacks and the Marlins. Um I think he's going to be a solid guy. I know a lot of the projection systems and stuff have him pretty low, but if you look at a Savant page, it's it's pretty solid. He limits hard contact. Um, I really like Matt Boyd. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter earlier today compare Boyd and Bieber, Shane Bieber, who's going around the second round. Um, and all their numbers that are the important numbers are very, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite guys – from the last couple of years who happened to be out all of last year's Lance McCullers. 
um, you know, big, great mm-hmm. curveball. Mm-hmm. And then taking it with the Dodgers side, I mean, I'm all over Julio Odias this year. If he can start for the full year, I'm all over Gavin Lux. And I like Corey Seager. I, I like where Corey Seager's yeah. going at this point. I think he's going too late. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on Seager. Like, I started looking at shortstops, and I'm like, well, if I don't get one of these guys, like, I've kind of got him in my back pocket myself. Um, mm-hmm. Where I, you know, he he's he's not gonna. He's definitely his floor is not gonna hurt you. You know. Um, yeah. And with the upside of what Corey can do, I mean, aside from running, he doesn't steal a ton of bags, but you know, he could definitely be a guy that stabilizes batting average and can he could certainly pop 25 30 homers out with, without being too shocking so that's a, mm-hmm. a really good call i think i think a lot of people have especially people that don't watch the dodgers every night they've probably forgotten a little bit of, about him unfortunately um and i'm just kind yeah. of seeing him go late um i'm trying to think you know what else from a fantasy perspective like who are some of the guys that you really enjoy like a lot of the guys in my league, or, or several of them, like I'll turn on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio, and like I'll hear um, a couple of these guys talking. Uh, like Jeff Erickson's one of them. He, I hear him talking almost every day. Like, who are some of the guys you you think provide a pretty good, you know, viewpoint, or, or who are some of the guys you read? Uh, I really like Todd Zola. Uh, mm-hmm. He was nice enough to provide every TGFBI member this year with his. Uh, pretty much like his little black book um, on the fantasy network radio. I haven't listened to it as much this year, but I do every day. Gary and Thorns insight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a big Raptors blue Jays guy from Canada and uh, Joe piece Yeah. is another guy that's really solid um, writes the fantasy black book every year. Um, and then a couple guys, you know, some, Outside of like the big names, there there's some small. I I wouldn't call them small, I guess, but uh, guys who are not as well known as Zola. Um, the guys that kind of come to mind are Vlad Sedler, mm-hmm. who's actually a Dodger fan, and who else was I thinking of? Um, Vlad Sedler's in my league here. Oh, really? I drew a tough league. Yeah, like he's in there. Um. And then, like I said, uh, what's his name? Erickson White. and Scott White and the yeah, guy. Yeah, you got a powerhouse league. Yeah, there's like four very like I at least know who they are players, but yeah, he he's Settler's in there. He, yeah, Scott White's another guy that I definitely read off of CBS Sports. Chris Towers, that whole group that does uh, CBS Sports fantasy is really good. I mock with them all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know mocks are. Uh, like, don't you kind of feel like it, it after you've done the, the best way to prepare for like your main draft is kind of just going through a couple, you know, drafts that do matter, like maybe leagues you're in, but by like draft like four or five, you, you kind of get a feel for where guys are going. Right. And, you you, mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's what I've noticed in the past. Like my best preparation has has not even come through mock mock drafting, but just going through a few drafts, you know, seeing where guys are going, seeing what guys people are reaching for. Um, what do you think about uh, one guy I've seen people reaching pretty high for? What do you think about Luis Robert? Uh, I think he's pretty solid. I think he's a little bit over at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a guy that I'm necessarily targeting um, because there's some things in his batted ball profile in the minor leagues that I'm not exactly thrilled with. 
but I do expect them to steal a nice amount of bases that, you know, might found in the earlier rounds uh, before he's going to go. Um, and he's not going to kill you an average, and he's probably going to hit it in a decent lineup with the White Sox, as we've really improved this year. Um, I really like Aloy Jimenez. Um, he's going, I think, around in front of Luis Robert. He's actually still available in my league, and he might be a guy that I'm targeting in this next round here. Um, but, yeah, Robert, I, I understand why he's going higher. It's just I'm not going to be the high man on him. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's crazy. Eloy went in my draft at round four, pick three. Wow. Yeah. So 48. Damn. Yeah. Yep. So uh, definitely a guy that um, I'd say the biggest jump was him. And then Bo Bichette went round three, pick 13. So Yeah, Bo Bichette went round three, pick 14 for me. Okay. So on him. Yeah, and it's like it's it's honestly a good way to really using this stuff. It's a good way to get a feel for the guys that like really might make a jump. Like based off what you just said off Aloy, and then you know I've seen a few good players really really reach uh, reach for him or what seems like a reach, but that tells me that he's got a really good shot at you know landing between forty and fifty homers. You know what I mean? Based on yeah, what good players are you know these guys have a lot more research into it than I do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's a really good tool. Now let me ask you about another guy that I think we were talking about finding steals and such. What do you think of a guy this year, like Byron Buxton? I have always been the high man on Byron Buxton. I think Same. he's a fantastic talent. Um, it's going to happen one year where he just puts it all together and he just blows people away. He is capable of hitting 30 season and he's got the speed to steal 40 bags it doesn't mean he's going to do it in the same season but he has that kind of capability um he's one of the most underrated players in the game with his glove but in fantasy terms like one year there's going to be a year where he really just puts it all together and he finds it and he's going to be a superstar i we've been saying that for years uh you know a lot of fantasy people have um since you know he was drafted, what second overall behind Correa in 2012? I'm pretty sure it's Correa. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. In half a season yeah. last year, I mean, 10 home runs and 14 stolen bags. Um, you know, you average that out, and that's a pretty decent player right there. Yeah, man. I mean, I couldn't have said that better myself. It's funny because uh, we're in like a little like league chat, and everybody was talking about how they reached for this guy or that guy based on speed and the guy in the back of my mind, I've got Buxton queued up here and I'm thinking I might try and grab him too. I I said, the guy I end up reaching for is probably going to be the biggest reach of the draft. That's who I'm thinking of. Like, I, I agree with you. He's going to have one of those years where he, you know, he pops like 25 out and hits for a manageable average and steals like 40 and, and just finally stays healthy. So yeah, he's, he's a guy I've always liked watching. Um, yeah. How many leagues are you in like all together, you know, on average per year? Cause I notice a lot of these guys are saying, you know, I've got, they'll say I've got seven shares of Tor- Trevor story, or they'll say, you know, uh-huh. I've, I've got six shares of Kershaw. Um, I'm only in, you know, I've only got time for, you know, maybe five leagues at, at most. And that's pushing it. How many leagues are you in? I'm actually in five right now. Um, 
three dynasty leagues and two redrafts. So I'm in TGFBI. I'm in like a home league um, that me and my dad have been doing together for a long time. Um, I'm in a dynasty league with Fantasy Front Office, one of my old publications. I do a dynasty draft with Fantasy Blockbuster, which I actually just started this year, and we're on. We're like in round 80 or something like that. We're drafting 60 minor league players, and it's just like a super deep roster. Wow. Um, yeah, and then the fifth one I can't think of right now off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, five is how many I'm doing this year. Wow, that's crazy, man. And so you said in last year's uh, NSFBI, you kind of took the last two months off. Uh, what, did you just not manage it as closely as you did in the beginning and not, like other stuff just took precedence? Yeah, you know, it was more just like going back to school yeah. and kind of losing focus with the league. But I know for a fact that if I would have kept focus, I probably would have finished around the top 20 um, because I was hovering around 11, 12, 13 for months. Um, and it was kind of, you know, eye opening to see that, you know, 19 year old me was able to hover around with the big boys. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was kind of impressed with myself. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I mean, just to kind of – that's a cool thing to be able to talk about forever, just so that you went, you know, for that long, toe for toe with, you know, like a Todd Zola, like a lot of people um, kind of look at him as like the, you know, the Babe Ruth of, of fantasy, you know, and he's it, – it's pretty cool. I, I saw he's got an invitational of some type where you can – you know, it is for money. You join it for money, but, you know, you can win some pretty big cash prizes if you can beat him. Yeah, yeah, he, I think it's the Beat Todd Zola League or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it said like you could win like a hundred and twenty-five thousand up to you know it's something nuts. Yeah, but that's obviously he's got you know he's got some huge sites, uh, you know, backing him because of you know his his reputation. He he brings in kind of the the eyes, and it's good for fantasy baseball because like um, my concern was always going through the last couple of decades, like it's it's hard to find serious fantasy baseball players. Whereas like nine out of 10 guys at the office play fantasy football, you know, I would say one or two play fantasy baseball. And of those two, like maybe one is a serious player, you know, um, like what is fantasy baseball, your favorite fantasy sport? And if so, why is it? Can you repeat that? Yeah. Is fantasy baseball your, your favorite fantasy sport to play? Oh, absolutely. Um, I do fantasy football and fantasy basketball every year. I'm doing fantasy basketball right now. But uh, baseball is my favorite sport, so that totally just um, – yeah, baseball takes precedence over everything else. Yeah. And, I mean, I think the thing – a lot of people don't like it because they're like, well, it's a grind and you have to set your lineup every day for six months. But the thing I like about it is if you – the strategy really comes in – and the knowledge base really comes in, like, if you lose a guy to injury, you know, you can you can find that production if you're smart about it, you know, over a 60 or 90 day period. Whereas in like fantasy football, if you draft a stud running back in the first round and he goes down, you know, your your season has like you, you just can't make those numbers up, you know, typically, you know, so that's yeah. that. Do you agree? That's like one thing that kind of. Uh, is nice about fantasy baseball it's 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 you can find the numbers out there if you look hard enough a lot of the time yeah absolutely baseball i feel like is the one sport that has an unlimited amount of statistics and analytics to really weigh 
weigh in on your decisions. Um, whereas basketball and football, I mean, it's just kind of gut feel more than the hard numbers. Right. Right. Um, so take me, I, I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people. I, I actually have not been in one draft yet where Acuna junior has not went one. Uh, has he replaced trout? You think as the number one fantasy player, you know, at least for now, or do you think Trout will be back on top at, at some point? I wouldn't be surprised if Trout overtakes Acuna. Um, I think those top three guys this year that I see going one, two, three everywhere, you know, Acuna, Yelich, and Trout, they're all so close. You're really splitting hairs. But the one thing that I think puts uh, Acuna ahead of Trout, at least for 2020, is just the, the stolen base factor. Um Mike Trout, I mean, his speed isn't declining, but he is running less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Acuna is, you know, he's he's really entering his prime. He's he's a young gun that's, you know, has the upside of still forty bags in a season. He almost went forty forty last year. Um, and while Trout can do that, he just he doesn't. You know, uh, he could go out there and have a fifty fifty season if he really wanted to, but you know that that's not his game at least at this stage of his career. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like until I do these drafts, you know, I get so locked in on a team or two. Like I realized last year that what Acuna did, but then I looked at it today and I'm like, he really hit 40 home runs in his age 21 season and stole 37 bases. Like how easy I glossed over that, you know, last year, like what, like, I can't believe that guy hit 40 homers last year in his first full year. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, so take me through in your mind, like do, do you, Garrett Cole, he's the top pitcher coming off the board. Do you think that Cole is worthy of that? Or is there a possibility in your mind that he, you know, kind of uh, disappoints a little bit in his first year in New York? Is there anywhere? Is he, is he about as safe as it gets as a pitcher? I think it's very possible that he disappoints, but he's going to still be a very, very excellent pitcher. He's got some of the best stuff in the game that, you know, it's been evident for the last couple of years. Um, Yankee stadium isn't exactly the ideal place to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, coming out of Minute Maid Park and the great pitching development system that the Astros have, it may have an effect on Cole, but he's already learned all the tricks of the trade that the Astros have taught him where he's just able to take that to New York and, you know, show out. Uh, Another thing I think that puts Cole ahead of the competition is that he pitches for one of the best two teams in baseball. He's going to pick up a ton of wins. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I hope so since I, I very rarely take a pitcher in my first round, but, you know, just based on what you've told me and what I've heard, with the pitching at a premium, I did go Cole at five, and I was bummed I didn't get Bellinger. I thought Bellinger might fall to me. You know, just seeing where guys are going, you know, around that five spot is where there's, you know, Betts, Bellinger, Cole. People are kind of divided there, but uh, I took Cole. Uh, you kind of led into an interesting point. You mentioned the Astros. With everything they're going through, um, do you – like, what kind of fantasy impact do you expect, if at all? Like, do you, do you expect those guys to – to have i mean should people look down on them or, or like expect a value drop um you know that's a really tough question to gauge just because we haven't been able to see anything mm-hmm. following it um if i had to guess there might be uh, an impact but it might be a minuscule one i think you know these guys are professionals right. and some of the guys like george springer jose altuve 
uh, Carlos Correa, they were good before the Astros began to cheat with a sign stealing. So that kind of weighs into the decision. But when you're looking at a guy like Alex Bregman, who that's all he knows, that <laughs> might drop him a little bit. Even though he is a, a he's a hell of a talent, he he really is. He's a hell of a hitter. Um, but you know, there that's something to definitely consider. I think it does have a certain degree of fantasy impact, even though it's not a major one. Yeah, well, it's the three guys that you just mentioned first, uh, Springer. Altuve and Correa I feel like uh where I've seen them and then like in in one case I took Correa very late and I'm like this is still Carlos Correa I mean I, I don't like yeah. him as but devout I mean what he could do he could have top 25 upside and I got him at you know pick 86 in the draft um I, yeah. I it seems like it seems like people almost can't help it in the back of their mind or something because those guys, it seems like the luster's worn off a bit, you know, like they're, they're just not going in those top, you know, 20 or 25 picks anymore, you know, and nothing's mm-hmm. really changed. They're only a year older, but uh, to see where they're going is, is interesting. So it'll be kind of interesting to see that as the, as the season goes along. Um, kind of, uh, I guess, in our last like few minutes here, you're like going away from fantasy baseball a little bit. Uh, do you have any early like gut feelings or bold predictions for like the 2020 season at all? Like anything that, that you really feel convicted about? Um, I strongly believe that the Dodgers are winning the world series. Yeah, I, think I do Mookie too. Betts, Mookie bets. It, it just almost seems like destiny at this point. I think mm-hmm. that the Lakers have a good shot and I think that the Dodgers might do it. Um, the last time that the Dodgers won the World Series in 1988, the Lakers also won it, uh, which would kind of be fitting if they both did it in 2020. Um, you know, LA sports are kind of prominent right now. They're both, both of those big teams are, you know, really, really excellent. Um, outside of like World Series predictions, if I had like a few dark horses for like award winners, mm-hmm. I would have potentially Mookie Betts winning the NL MVP. And in the AL, I strongly believe that George Springer is going to have the best to top last year. Wow. Yeah. I, I wish I, I would have really grabbed that. him last round instead and of you Blackman. Know, you know what's funny is I say that now. I just passed Springer up in for my last pick, and I took Joey Gallo at 53, and Springer was still on the board. Wow. We yeah. both we both passed him up in the same round. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. I think he's gonna really break out this year, even on top of as far as the AL West goes, what do you think? Uh what do you see happening with that division? And do you give, say, an Anaheim or uh, I'm sorry, Los Angeles Angels any chance of competing with the Astros or for like a wild card? Uh I don't I think the Angels are pretty much just going to tread water like they've done for the last few years. I think they're going to be about a 500 team, maybe 81, 82 wins around there. The mm-hmm. Astros have like, you know, they have this they're strangling the rest of that division right now. Um the A's are pretty good, especially they're getting two big time prospects coming up with Lazardo yeah. and Puck. Yeah. Uh, that might help them out a bit because pitching has been one of their struggles recently, starting pitching that is. Um but yeah, I, I totally see the Astros winning 100 games again, even though they lost Garrett Cole. Um, yeah, that division to me is just clear cut. So who do the Dodgers play in the World Series in your mind today? 
Uh, I think gut feeling and what I want kind of matches there, and I want it to be the Yankees. Me too. Just because of the historical kind of factor that plays in there. Um, you know, it's always been the, even back in the Brooklyn days, Brooklyn yep. Dodgers and them bums playing the, playing the Yanks, you know. Mm-hmm. And that would be pretty awesome to see in our lifetime, you know, without the Sandy Koufaxes. But we have our own version of, of Sandy yep. Koufax and Duke Schneider and those guys. We have Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw, and Walker Buehler. You know, those are the guys. Yeah, and you brought up earlier just like the, the, the Dodgers and Destiny. I mean, how neat would it be if the two teams that the Astros kind of screwed most ended up squaring off to for a title, you know? Yeah, that'd be really cool, you know. It let it take its course. Let it take its course. And uh, what do you see? You know, guy that I I obviously love to keep an eye on. What do you, What do you think for Bellinger this year after after the MVP? Is it going to be pretty linear? Do you see a little drop off? I mean, uh, what what do you see coming for him? I think his full season is going to be somewhere in between his first half and his second half. I mean, the first half that he had, well, we've talked about it a ton. It's just, it, it was astronomical. Like we hadn't seen a first half like that outside of Mike Trout um, within the last 20 years. It was, it was insane. Uh, Second half, he was still very, very, very productive. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, Um, but I could totally see him, you know, maybe batting, 280 with mm-hmm. 40 bombs like that. I think that's maybe not the floor, but I think that's like the 80th percentile outcome for him in 2020. Yeah. Well said. Maybe mixing in double digit steals again. Yeah, you know, I, I if Dave, that's the one thing about Dave Roberts that I don't understand. He was he was a big runner back in the day, um, and his team doesn't. Run. He has some guys that have some really really elite speed. You might see that with bets. You might prioritize I, it a little bit this year. Well, I was, I was, you know, one thing. It's interesting you bring that up. Is uh, people say, well, grab, grab Mookie to cover that steals category, and you know, you and I, knowing what we know about the Dodgers, is they tend to, you know, shut down the running game a little bit. And I'm thinking, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, Mookie had a career low stolen bases just because of the the Dodgers, you know, theory from the top down. You yeah, know, so that was kind of in the back of my mind with with him a little bit. Yeah, that that's interesting. Yeah, that's absolutely um, something I evaluated too when evaluating Bellinger and Betts. I mean, Bellinger's got I think 99th percentile sprint speed, and you're telling yeah. me that he can only steal 15 bases now. He if he if he really wanted to, and they let him run wild, they gave him the green light every time he got to first base. He could get 40 bases absolutely. Easily, you know, yeah. in his sleep, and Betts could probably do the same thing if they just let him run wild. They have that kind of speed and uh base running instinct yeah we know like how organizations are too i mean for them to one year just up and say we're gonna we're gonna run like crazy it's it's unlikely that they change overnight drastically you know i mean they might run a little more but they're not gonna go from philosophically you know not giving away outs to just suddenly it'd be very unlikely to see them you know give the green light all the time but hopefully just a little more um could just a couple more, I guess, questions here. Like, so the Dodgers are obviously, uh, I agree, far and away the number one team in the NL. Who do you see as their biggest challenger, or like, who do you see as as them maybe playing in the NLCS if you had to to handicap it today? I'd probably say the Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the way it was in 2019 too. 
Uh, they've made some big moves, really committed money to a lot of different pieces. They've really shored up that bullpen uh, with Will Smith. They got Travis Darno, and they signed Cole Hamels to a big one-year deal. Um, I think that they have enough pieces where maybe they're not in the Dodgers' weight class, but they can definitely gain the weight to get there. Yeah, uh, They have a lot of young prospects coming up, too. I, I love Austin Riley. Uh, they got Drew Waters and Christian Pache. I mean, those guys are, you know, potential future all-stars right there that we're talking about. So if uh, those guys can make any impact, you know, they, they could give a do- the Dodgers a run for their money if they were able to play them in a seven-game series. Yeah, for sure. That, I, I agree with you. I think, like, Atlanta's, Atlanta's going to probably they're, – they're, like, going to kind of get – be on the outside looking in only because the Dodgers are so mighty. I think like without a, a powerhouse team like the Dodgers, like this era of Atlanta Braves would, would probably get to a, a world series or two, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like they've still got a little bit of ground to make up on, on like an LA, like going back to fantasy baseball real quick, like for guys that are just starting out, um, you know, what kind of pointers would you give people that are like just getting into fantasy baseball? If they, if they want to become, you know, an elite player like you are, like what kinds of things would you tell them, you know, if they're in their second or their third year, anything that jumps out that you wish somebody would have told you, you know, back in your very uh, beginning days playing competitively? Yeah, I, I think the number one that thing that sticks out to me is knowing your league construct, just knowing what categories you have to chase. Um, because a lot of people don't play Roto. A lot of people play points. Points, leagues. right. Um yeah, I think that that's huge. Um, a thing that I've started to do too is systems, which, I mean, that, yep. that comes later on. Yep. Um, in your fantasy experience, I guess, you kind of pick and choose. Um, but, yeah, knowing your league construct, I think a lot of people lose sight of that when they're drafting. Um, in 2GFBI, for example, I mean, it's a slow draft, so you have, like, some real, real time to, you know, debate and weigh all your selections but in a quick draft that you know you're on the clock for a minute Mm -hmm. and a half you really have to hone in on one guy in a minute and a half which is tough um you gotta you gotta know your league construct and not lose sight of it and i think that's the number one thing that really sticks out to me if uh, i were speaking to some novice um about fantasy baseball yeah it's funny you say that i mean um i played on a fan graph site a points league my first points league ever was i think it was five years ago and it was called auto new and i drafted some power hitting stud however whoever that guy was i can't remember who it was he struck out a ton and everybody was laughing when i took him and i'm like you know what i'm like he's gonna hit like 45 homers and he was such a lug weight on my team i had to eventually end up cutting the guy because again I didn't do the legwork to learn, you know, in points leagues, you know, if you've got a guy that he does hit some bombs, but he strikes out like a ton and he grounds into a ton of double plays, you know, he was literally, you know who it was? It was, it was a long time ago. It was Ryan Howard back when he was hitting like 40 something homers (laughs) for the Phillies. Yeah. He was striking out, he struck out 198 (laughs) times and then points league, it was like death. Um, yeah, and, and it, it, I had to, and I wasn't even playing him and, and it doomed me, but it, I never, never made the same mistake again there. Like, what do you think about points leagues? You mentioned Roto versus points. Do you like points leagues? I do like points leagues. Uh, 
but I like Roto just as much. I think they both have their own separate merits. Mm-hmm. Um, like in a Roto league, I just find that there's more strategy yes. involved yep. because, you know, there's no reason that Trey Turner should be going in the first round in, in a tra- a baseball draft. You know, he's not one of the best 10 players in baseball. Um, and it, in points leagues, you know, it'd be evaluated a bit differently. Um, but by having to, you know, find two catchers or find stolen bases and definitely adds more strategy. But with points leagues, on the other hand, it's more of like a real life um, evaluation of players, you know, um, how, I mean, I've seen war leagues done. I, I might be in one this year, actually, um, where you're able to evaluate these guys' real-life circumstances instead of, you know, the strategy of finding categories. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, in a points league, the strangest players can be valuable. Um, like, the true good hitters whose numbers don't jump off the page. Like, last year in the second half, I noticed in the points leagues I was in, everybody's adding this Tommy Edmond guy. And I'm like, who the hell is Tommy? You know, and I watched for yeah. a few weeks. And, he, you know, towards the stretch run, he was putting up, you know, as good a points as almost anyone, you know. And I'm like, okay. I, so I took, you know, obviously I started watching him and took notice. I'm like, you know what? This guy is a pretty solid little – he's a pretty solid little player for the Cardinals. And, yeah, you, you bring up a great point. Like a, a points league, it can kind of uh, shed light on guys that – you know, they're they're you're not your your uh, the guys you have in your head is like the powerhouse. You know, fantasy players. Um, you know, that's that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I've got not not a lot else to add, man. Like, it's a really good uh, chance to talk with you, and and like I, I'm excited about fantasy getting started, and so I definitely wanted to get you on and, and get a fantasy show under the belt. Um, one thing do I do want to bring up though you know we're going to be talking about a gambling podcast so you know anybody out there that hears this that might happen to bet on you know sports especially you know baseball or you know March Madness coming up you want to check out the Twitter account at rain delays pod we're going to be kind of kicking that up in the in the months to come um you've been you've been betting it all or looking at the betting lines a little bit at least yeah, I've been betting a bit. I've, I'm on a bit of a cold stretch right now. Um, after being on the hottest streak of my life, I hit 25 of 30. And then uh, last 19 bets, I've only won six of them. So it kind <laughs> of evens out. You know, it's just it's the ups and downs yep. of uh, sports betting. And I'm sure we'll be uh, talking about that on Rain Delays Pod, which, uh, you know, and I hope whoever listens to this gives us uh, ears uh, at least for a few episodes and hopefully, you know, find the same love that we have in uh sports betting yeah definitely i and i'm excited for baseball to roll around i mean that's really where i'm i'm most comfortable kind of knowing what's going on i mean tonight i bet on three nba teams and i couldn't have named three guys on each team i just was looking at the lines i i went two and one but um got absolutely destroyed uh in the the maverick i took the uh the timberwolves against the mavericks i took the points and they lost by like 30 so that didn't go so well but yeah man looking forward to uh talking some gambling with you thanks for stopping by and, and kind of letting us uh, have a look into the the bright young mind of of your fantasy history and you know we'll talk again soon okay yeah thank you all right man take care you too